podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, SelectQuote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote. We shop. You save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. Hello, welcome to the Five Pen Podcast. Hey, hey, hey. hey. Pod three seven nine. Ooh, ooh, indeed. Wow. Uh, and it, there's no Palace this week, but we're doing a questions special. Um, not much happened in the world of football this week, so we'll, we'll try our best <laughs> to talk about something. Uh, and we're going to preview the uh, game against Leicester next Monday as well. Uh, to do that, I've got Kevin Day. Hello to you. Hello, Lip. How are you? I'm all right, thank you. Apart from the sunshine. Oh, not that again. Not <laughs> yeah. that. I'm going to have to do a sort of a ban on sunshine talk. No, not till September. <laughs> oh, my God. If Thank I God the season's it, ending soon. If I moan about it enough, it might go away. <laughs> yes, because that's I'm sure that's worked before. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, James Endicott, hello to you. Hello, how are you, JD? I'm um, good. Sun- you're a sunshine fan, aren't you, surely? Um, I, I like it when it's outdoors and I'm in. <laughs> Perfect. I mean, I knew you'd be poetic, and we're literally 30 seconds in. Uh, okay. Wonderful. Uh, Jack Pierce is here. Hello to you. Hello, hello. Uh, feeling a bit like Spurs this week. Just wondering how I got the invite with such prestigious company. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. thanks, thanks for inviting me on. Strong start, very strong start. Unlike the European Super League. Um, and joining us actually to talk about that in part one, it's our League Illegal. I might Ooh. do a little. I might do a little jingle. I might find a jingle for that. Anyway, um, it's Andy Street. Hello to you. Uh, hello, but please don't. Okay, I still probably will. I still probably will. Um, So yeah, in part part one, we are going to talk about the European Super League, what it sort of means for clubs like Palace, and generally maybe laugh at the six clubs that have completely screwed it up. Um, Before we do that, can I get a drum roll for a random patron, please? It's Lisa Bamford. Hey, Lisa. Lisa. Lisa, how's Patrick? (laughs) Yes, indeed. Uh, I was about to say no relation. Who knows? Maybe. Maybe, maybe. Uh, Anyway, uh, Lisa recently joined the Patreon. You can get all the benefits uh, of being a patron like Lisa does, including post-match podcast, patron-only merchandise, and access to the patron-only WhatsApp club. And... We FYP has officially launched, it's only taken 13 years, officially launched uh, a merchandise store online. So we have some FYP designs uh, on there. It's uh, podcastmerch.co.uk forward slash FYP hyphen podcast. There's a range of designs. There's loads of uh, different um, things. You can get it on T-shirts, mugs, tote bags, baby grows. I mean, you name it, it is available. And if you're a patron, uh, you get 20% 20 off. Um, So there you go. Uh, Right. I've also got a message here from Magic 3 CPFC. 
Hey, hi, Magic. Hey, I'm Magic. He says, uh, hello, everyone. Uh, can I ask, who does the match commentary on Twitter? Is it shared out? I can't see Kevin Day doing it, to be honest. Lol, too busy looking for his piece of paper. <laughs> too busy not being asked. Yeah, all that, all I, that. I, I'm, only in, I'm only involved in one part of the branding on this pod. Wait a minute, does your FOMO extend so far as to be upset that you're not doing the inane updates on them that are obviously great on Twitter during a match on I a by, I, bi-minutely basis? Has it gone this know, far? I didn't even know we did them. Oh, there we go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do we, we do, do, we do. Um, oh, we've dropped. Sure, Rob. Oh, no, you... He won't look down when he'd be looking up most of the time. But <laughs> who, who does them? Rob. It is Rob. Rob does. Yeah. Rob does it sometimes. Yeah, well, I tend to be watching the game, so I, I I don't need to be reminded that we've just gone two 0 down to Chelsea in the eighth minute. <laughs> Excellent. Oh, brilliant. Um, poor old Rob. Anyway, listen, magic. We love Rob. Magic. I know we do. We love Rob and all his weird plane fetishes. Um, <laughs> has a message saying, "Can I ask you to say a happy thirtieth?" Birthday to Leighton Hard for the 27th of April, who loves the pod. Cheers. So, oh. happy birthday, Leighton. Oh, happy, birthday, Leighton. Happy, happy birthday, birthday Leighton. Happy birthday, Leighton Hard. Thank you for enjoying the pod. I know that is Half next as week. as old as me. But... Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, showbiz, showbiz or real? No, my Wikipedia page is somewhere in between my real age in and my between. Wikipedia page. <laughs> well, anyway, happy birthday, Leighton. Thank you very much for uh, supporting the pod. Uh, right. Part one. European Super League. Where do we start with this, uh, Kevin? It was a. It was literally about forty-eight hours from conception to defeat. What was your What was your take on it? Because it um, was just. It was just mad. It, it it seems to have caught even big name journalists by surprise. Everyone's uh, claiming that they predicted it, but weren't really able to predict when and what time it was going to be announced. So it seems to have got they've got everybody on the back foot, and it seems that they've announced it prematurely without looking into a lot of the ins and outs, pros and cons. Um, it, it's interesting as well that a couple of journalists pointed out to me that they very rarely mention the term, the, the big six don't say European Super League. They tend to say Super League because the plan was that it would become a global franchise eventually. It would become a, a world league. It, I think it's, I'd be interested to hear what Streety says about why the English clubs collapse so quickly. I think my take on it is that in their arrogance, they thought that all they were announcing was an alternative to the Champions League that why would the other clubs and the other fans be worried about that because they will never be in it and I think they were just completely taken aback by the vehemence of the domestic opposition I think they didn't expect the other Premier League clubs to be that angry I don't think they thought the government would step in and say well these are going to be unlicensed games so the police won't be at them and so on and so forth but also in a, in a, in a way they've kind of got what they wanted anyway i mean uefa are so angry with them and they've created this new model just to make sure that they get more money out of the the champions league and this coefficient thing virtually means that if we were to finish fourth in the premier league next year and liverpool finish seventh they will get into europe ahead of us again because the coefficient means that previous performances in the champions league will be taken into Consideration, so they're being punished by getting more money out of UEFA essentially. But it's, I think we're living through history. I mean, it's the most bizarre forty-eight hours I, I can remember in football. And, and I think the most bizarre thing was Martin Tyler and Alan Smith last night praising the violent demonstrators outside Stamford Bridge, 
which was just a real, I had to rewind it to make sure I heard Martin Tyler saying, well, of course they're angry. And it's thanks to good old fashioned street action like that, that this thing is falling apart. But it's, it, it, it's almost like it never happened. And I'd, I'd, again, I'd be interested to hear what Andy thinks will be any future ramifications or whether this is, this is it. A line is drawn. It's all done. Let's forget it. Move on. All right, let's go to Andy. I am going to drop in a little jingle here, I think. Legal Eagle. Can we get a Legal Eagle in the merch store? Well, yeah, well, we can Andy's have designs whenever we want. So, yeah, we, could, we can do something like that, definitely. We need a regression to the mean T-shirt first before we <laughs> do that. Um, Sorry, that's, that's my other uh, guys, is this statistical nerd rather than <laughs> legal nerd. You've got so many guys. There's two. There's literally two. Yeah, no okay. others. Yeah, more than more than I've got. Um, what are the legal ramifications then, Andy, of this? Uh, and and was it as Kevin says because he's right about that champ- the new Champions League thing that's sort of been that got announced during the madness? Was it basically just to push through these new Champions League things that include this legacy qualification thing? Um, starting with the final bit first, no. I mean, this this was serious business. JP Morgan allowed it to be known that they were involved. There were wide reports in respect to publications that JP Morgan were going to advance some pretty significant debt financing to the scheme. Um, there, there was a Spanish company formed to uh, oversee the league. Each of the individual clubs put out public statements, as we all know. This wasn't just... Uh, mere puff was it? It wasn't. It wasn't intended just to uh, negotiate UEFA into a better position. Not least because one, they've already got a better position by the new announcement. And number two, it came pretty much at the same time as that announcement was being made. They meant it. They they really did mean it. A, a significant number of these clubs, because a lot of them have realised that the environment caused by COVID and the fact that costs have spiralled at just about every major club a non-major club for that matter as well across the continent. I mean, it is very difficult to make a profit from football. This was, in their view, uh, a means to try and achieve that. So I think it, it has to be inferred from everything that, that they genuinely did mean it. Um, why it fell apart will perhaps come to as well. But in terms of legal ramifications, there's the theoretical and then there's the practical. Theoretically, they're in breach of the Premier League's rules because there are obligations in the Premier League's rules not to enter another competition and it looks like they had an agreement to do so. So that could in theory be uh, a breach of the Premier League's rules. There are similarly uh, UEFA regulations prohibiting joining of uh, non-UEFA competitions. Um, There are various obligations of good faith between the clubs and the other clubs in the Premier League and between the clubs and the Premier League and between the clubs and UEFA. They have duties of uh, confidence to UEFA not to misuse confidential information they will have undoubtedly used the information they knew about the champions league and its revenues to help them to negotiate this particular uh, endeavor or proposed endeavor so that's all the theoretical but then there's the practical is uefa going to throw out its most valuable clubs from its most lucrative competition and i'm not going to answer that i just put it out there as a question that many will already have formed a view upon in in their minds when they're listening to this and then similarly are the 14 premier league clubs either between them or is the league going to impose or attempt to impose punitive sanctions on the clubs that are effectively the leading brands in their product? Um, again, put out there in a, in, in a rhetorical sense, that question. Um, I would be surprised. I mean, not least, you know, certain of those clubs have shown that when there are attempts to 
rein them in from a regulatory perspective, they will take every recourse available to them. They will throw lots of legal spend at challenging sanctions or attempts to uh, impose regulatory strictures on them. It, it, it's not without its battles to try and impose those sorts of sanctions. So my strong suspicion is that a line in the sand may be drawn, uh, some crosswords will be exchanged, but ultimately I don't necessarily expect there to be particularly severe sanctions either at a domestic level or across Europe against the clubs that uh, agreed to be involved. Andy, what about JP Morgan though? Because there must surely contracts must be signed <coughs> in this. There must be some kind of legal redress from them. Surely, I mean, there, there were rumours and counter-rumours about whether they've already received some money for them. But this wasn't just something that's drawn up on the back of an envelope overnight, no. which is why this, this idea that Man City and Chelsea were reluctantly forced to take part is bollocks. But surely JP Morgan, <coughs> who stood to make a lot of money out of this, now stand to lose a lot of money. They're not going to just let it lie, are they? Um, it's very difficult for me to speculate on that, obviously, because obviously there's uh, information in the press about the, the terms of that deal, but it's very difficult to know what stage they got to with it. You'd have to say that to the extent that there were binding agreements between uh, a financial institution of that size and either the individual clubs or the Super League company that was going to regulate all of them, then yes, they will be looking at, the, at all of those options. But that sits almost outside of the game to a certain extent because that's about who finances it and mm. the legal rights and uh, remedies they've got for effectively this not, not going ahead when they thought it was going to. It, it's, I guess, for fans, from fans' perspective, it's more interesting what happens within the game between the football regulators and the clubs and the leagues and the regulators that, that is the most interesting point. To give an indication of like how tuned in I was when people in the group were talking about JP Morgan and calling it JPM, I thought we were talking about Mateta for some reason. <laughs> how, he'd got, uh, how he was involved in this, but um, that's how much I know. I think, I think he's done quite well if he's lending £200 million to <laughs> yeah. 12 that, different clubs. That loan deal is suddenly not looking, not looking so good for Palace. Um, Enders, it, def- um, it, it did make me feel a little bit... Uh, Lucky to be a Palace fan. Well, that's, lucky is not the word I'm looking for, but almost a bit smug. So I think actually, at least we support a club that isn't sort of involved in these shenanigans. In fact, actually, our chairman was on TV talking very well about it. Mm. And actually, if you're a fan of these top six clubs, I mean, it's almost like, what's the point at this mm. point? I mean, your club, is, your club literally does not care about you at yep. all. So yeah. actually, from a Palace perspective, it's, it's sort of quite nice for once to be outside the fire watching everything burn than in our own house for once. Yeah, but I... I know it's not the same thing, but I remember, I remember as a fan, our club being deducted points um, for financial irregularities or where it was, and other clubs have been have been in trouble for it of the past. And it just seems like I don't know. I just um, I do feel a little bit smug, but I just feel a little bit. I just feel a bit disheartened by the whole thing, to be honest. Mm. The whole thing. It, it. Yes, it was a surprise that it happened. But really, after five minutes about thinking about it, it wasn't a surprise mm. because it's been coming for twenty-five years. It's been coming since the formation of the Premier League. To be honest, it was just I was shocked by the timing of it. Eleven o'clock on a Sunday night. Whoever whoever employed the PR company employed a really stupid one. I was just I was just a little bit deflated by the whole thing because it was just like this squabbling, this squabbling amongst these people who are just there to enrich themselves and don't care about anybody else. And it's just like. It just really, it actually made me quite sad, on, on not, not just on a footballing level, but on just like a level of people being together in communities. After the year that we've all had, when the, 
when countries and people's lives have been decimated by this disease, this sort of thing comes along, and you just get people just scobbling over a few billion pounds here and there. And it's just, I just felt really, I felt a bit down about the whole thing, to be honest, not just on a football level, but on a really bigger level than that. And I just like, you know, I don't want to take away from the football aspect, it's a football podcast, we should talk about the financial implications and what should happen to the clubs and all that sort of stuff. But on a wider level, it's just like, what the hell is happening to this world? Do you know, when these sort of things are happening, yeah. it just made me feel really sad, to be honest. The whole thing just, and I've kind of had my fingers in my ears because I knew it wouldn't, look, everybody knew it wasn't going to happen. When it got announced on Sunday, you knew there wasn't going to be a European Super League at the end of this season. Of course there wasn't, because you knew that the fans would ride up against it and that people would um, argue against it. And, you know, you just, all you have to do is you put your fingers in your ears for 48 hours, take them out again, oh, and we're almost back to normal. What a surprise. And I think Andy's right. In, in a few months' time, it'll all be brushed under the carpet. It will carry on. And this will rear its ugly head again in another year, two years, five years, ten years, whenever it is. But something's got to be put in place now so it doesn't happen again. I don't know. It's, it's, I'm so confused by the whole thing on so many levels. It's just, yeah. um, I'm probably not a good person to ask, to be honest. Well, I'm glad I came, I'm glad I came to you. Um, it's, uh, yeah, I, my, my mate Sam is a Chelsea fan, and I asked him, and he, he said his initial reaction was exactly that, not surprised, which I think is a really sort of depressing way to well, yeah. act this kind of thing. I think if it was Steve Parrish or Palace, I think we'd all be massively surprised. I mean, speaking of Steve Parrish, Jack, he obviously sort of did the rounds on Sky and BT and Good Morning Britain, which was a bit awkward. Um, but Jen genuinely <laughs> sort of seemed to talk quite passionately about it, and, and um, I think did actually a really good job, actually, of of um, opposing it. Toby Kinder, one of our listeners. Hello, Toby. Just how significant is it that we have a lifelong fan as a chairman? I think it's something that Steve did sort of say on Monday Night Football and Sky. Any wonder he appears to be leading the response of the Premier League rump? Not heard that that word used in that context. What are your thoughts on Steve Parrish's uh, media appearances? Well, just firstly, I think Daniel Levy's probably a lifelong Tottenham fan, and that doesn't seem to do much for him and Spurs. So, you know, maybe the boyhood adoration of a football club doesn't necessarily mean all good things. I mean, what I think is quite clear with Parrish, he's now become that person outside of the the big six, to use that turgid phrase, horrible phrase. He is the nominated person, and I think there's probably, and I sense there's an acceptance from the other um equivalents across the Premier League that they're happy for Parrish to speak on their behalf which is a really strong position for Parrish and the club to be in you know if it wasn't uh, last summer with the uh, you know discussions around the restart it was this and you know he speaks very very well he's always spoken well ever since he's come into the public eye as, as Palace chairman and as Palace's um, you know stay in the Premier League has, has extended so has his profile um, and I think there's um, a confidence to allow him to speak and I think Gary Neville spoke about Parrish last summer in very positive terms. So it didn't surprise me that, that Parrish was invited on Monday Night Football on Sky on, on Monday. I think Gary Neville would probably, um, you know, <laughs> seek out Steve Parrish's advice on such things um, if the need arose. And, yeah, I think it's really positive for Palace that, that Parrish is that person who does speak out. He spoke a lot of sense. Uh, he spoke um, rationally, but also with the emotion that I think a fan of a club would do, you know, using phrases like coup um, is, is appropriate in this situation. It did feel a bit like that. Um, and, you know, from media reports, he spoke out at the, the group meeting with the 14 uh, chairman yesterday. Um, and it's important that the other 14 clubs in the Premier League keep this in mind. You know, the others are totally right. Who knows what the uh, punishment might be? 
but the, the the other 14 have now marked the cards of the other six and however powerful the other six are those 14 whoever the other 14 are you know relegation comes and goes but whoever the other 14 are know that this is within the site of those other clubs and and they'll be aware of it um you know paris has already commented about uh the the uefa deal for the new champions league isn't great either so you know the other 14 clubs palace among them know that you know the smaller clubs if you want to use that phrase are still being given a hard a hard deal you know the coefficient element of this new champions league deal stinks that a club could have the best season of a of a generation and still not achieve the prize that that is on offer at the start of the season so you know it's difficult i found myself i'm with enders there was a lot of you know putting my you know fingers in my ears trying not to hear it all but if i did struggle with any element of the last 48 hours it was you know, the almost hero ladening of Sky and uh, PSG, all these things where, you know, these people that I don't necessarily um, consider to be particularly ethical are all of a sudden being, you know, labelled the hero. Um, So, yeah, we we need to be careful. You know, this this has happened, but we still, I hope it doesn't necessarily realign where good and bad is because, you know, we still need to call out bad when we see it. And just because some people are on the right side of history in regard to this proposal doesn't mean that they have been with other other issues in the past. Sky's, uh, Sky's response was pretty much driven, I think, by the fact that they know they probably wouldn't have been able to afford to bid for the Super League rights. Um, Steve Parrish, I thought, was particularly good on Newsnight because he put the Saint-Tropez mug down, which wasn't a good look on... <laughs> Sunday night in front of his two cocktail bars. But on, he was he was asked, I mean, he made a really good point on Monday night on Newsnight when he said, how much more money do these clubs want? But Emily Maitley asked him direct. She said, come on now, if you were the chairman of one of these clubs or if Crystal Palace are in the top six, you'd have jumped at the chance. He said, no, I wouldn't. He said, the beauty of football is that in the next two or three seasons, we could end up in League One. And if we do, then so be it. It's as simple as that. Mm. You you have to accept. And it's, and it's not all... I mean, this is Liverpool and Man United-led, but it's not all American owners. Burnley's American owners were were very strongly uh, worded opposition against the Americans who are leading this. So I think it's it's worth remembering that. But I thought Steve Perry is good. And it... It, it, it does give you a little bit of a Philip in a time when football. I mean, as, as Steve Parrish said, these six clubs talk about not reading the room. Yeah. As Ender said, at a time when we're still in the middle of this global pandemic, when every single football club, every single football club in the world is struggling, and their, their idea for a way out of it is to come up with a scheme that eventually could see. 40 or 50 lower league clubs in every country in Europe go out of business because they'll, you know, if, if those clubs were to be out of the Premier League, the broadcasting deal would collapse, then the money that the Premier League distributes to the rest of football would collapse. And, and it's, it's clubs like Dulwich Hamlet that would feel the ripple effect of, of Barcelona and Real Madrid. And it's, it's beggars, I mean, Barcelona dealing their own get-out card today saying, well, we only ever agreed to it because we knew that our season ticket holders would have to vote and they would say no. You know, the only one I actually admire is at least Florentino Perez at Real Madrid is having the bollocks to stand up and say no we're still doing this I think it's a brilliant idea but even he's trotting out this line that is it's good for football because young people are leaving football because they're, they're fed up with substandard matches and then dropped in the bombshell that if, it, if this goes ahead matches will only be 70 minutes long because young people haven't got the attention span <laughs> for full games I mean so it's like but it, make it up, could you? But, what, but what really annoys me most is this notion street you'll know but this these negotiations must have been going on for a year, two years. It didn't just suddenly appear 
out of nowhere. So this this not this nonsense that, that you know Chelsea and Man City were railed. The two clubs, Andy, financially don't need to be part of it. Essentially, it, it's just. It's not, but again, I mean that's that's part of the. I don't want to go into individual clubs or criticize them, but I. I think one of the reasons that this was always going to fail is it was trying to impose the NFL model, which is fairly homogenous and in a single market. So they're all subject to US law and trying to make that work with various disparate clubs who are running phenomenally different ways in different countries under different legal jurisdictions and try and make them as one. And that was always going to be just an incredibly tough ask. And you saw yesterday, I don't think it's any coincidence that the first two clubs to drop out were the English clubs who have not traditionally been run in a manner to achieve a profit anyway. They're the two clubs that have been criticised most for sparring costs. And I don't want to get into what the motivations of those two clubs were to to join in in the first place, but it was always going to be very difficult for those behind this scheme and the, the, the individuals who were the vanguard of it to keep everyone on side and in line. One of the reasons this has failed, and there will there are many, is just a failure to bring on board all of the various stakeholders in the right way. Fans were not consulted. Senior employees were not asked. Gov- national governments whose say-so is quite important were not asked. UEFA's consent, they wouldn't have been given anyway, but it, they, they weren't asked. Um, it seems that the only things that they were really prepared for and had negotiated and planned for were the finances, i.e. who was to provide the debt, and that they gained out the legal implications by starting already some of the legal proceedings to injunct UA from FIFA from imposing sanctions mm. to ban the clubs from competitions. So it really it was just a very narrow vision of what was going to be required to achieve this. And the, the, the staggering thing that I find is that at the heart of it, I just don't think it was a very good idea. You know, a midweek league. Mm immediately cuts out the US market because the games would be played during the afternoon in the United States. And they're, they're one of the reasons the Premier League's become so successful is the Saturday afternoon games, which are you know morning and afternoon in the East Coast and very early morning on the West Coast, depending on what time they start. So that was always going to be an, an uphill task. And then the fact that without the jeopardy and risk that the, the games become a lot more boring means that the product that was being proposed just wasn't a good one. Mm. So I, I just, I'm, I'm quite surprised that none of these things appear to have been properly thought out. And really this doesn't appear to have gone too much further than sorting out the financing terms and effectively a fairly blank website. They didn't even consult with the women's teams. They just announced there would be a women's super yeah. to go along with it, even though Liverpool had just been relegated from the, the the top division. But Andy, how did they how did they keep it secret for so long? Aren't aren't teams that are listed on the stock exchange do, do they not have to tell shareholders in advance before these things happen? How did they keep it so quiet? Um, again, I'd be speculating on that. I mean, you'd have to suspect from the fact that one of the highest paid and most important employees at Manchester City in Pep Guardiola didn't know, clearly. Jürgen Klopp didn't know. Um, the UK government appeared not to have known that it was just clearly viewed in a, such a commercially sensitive manner as to not bring anyone on board other than the ultimate decision makers at, at those businesses. Um, you can see why that would be the case in some, some respects. It was such a disruptive idea, but equally, and paradoxically, that was why it was never going to work, I don't think, in this form, because it just would have to get the buy-in of so many different stakeholders because foot, global football is, in essence, a series of very different, disparate, and uh, often conflicting interest groups. You've got the players, you've got the agents, you've got the federations, you've got the 
national associations. You've got the ardent fans, you've got the armchair fans, you've got the overseas fans. Sometimes these factions and uh, groups are all lined up and all view things the same way. Sometimes they don't. And one of the difficulties that the clubs appear to have encountered in this is that they thought that they could make a zero-sum game between the ardent fans who go to matches and the potential new audience of global fans who might tune into Super League games. And it's been proven some pretty quickly that they're going to get some pretty big backlash if they try to segment their audiences in that way. Yeah. I mean, first of all, if the games do become 70 minutes, that could be a way of stopping Palace conceding late goals. So I think that actually might... <laughs> or early ones. Yeah, I think that could be quite good for us. I think actually we could benefit from that. So I'm not against that. Um, I think I think I mean, the apologies were just absolutely astounding. I mean, they were essentially the same as a politician apologising for getting caught cheating on their wives. I mean, it was just, we're so, so, the Liverpool one was like, well, we've listened to you guys and we decided not to do it. Well, no, you didn't. You just, you just you listened to the fans. You wouldn't have done it in the first place. I mean, it, it shows that they are either incredibly out of touch or so arrogant that they believe they don't need approval from anyone. And neither of those things are a particularly good situation to be in. I, I was just staggered. I'm really staggered by the fact that we're living in such a, um, a world where everybody knows everything else. It's all about uh, relationships. It's about s- social media, the media. And yet it was just announced so badly with no backup plan. There was nobody around that table mm. who said, what's going to happen when we announce this? And nobody there said... I think everybody's going to go really crazy and not like it. Nobody said that, obviously, because there was no back. There's no backup plan for the reaction at all, at all. And I just find that astonishing that such a big thing that was so much money involved and so many people involved that there was just no plan. There was no plan at all. As Andy said, it was just guys around the table working out some finances without talking to anybody about it. And I just think anything that starts off like that, the fact that it came so suddenly out of the blue it was destined to fail yeah. because these these things are always leaked anything that's got any, anything that's going to happen to, in our lives get, we, we've all known this over the last year with the pandemic everything gets leaked it gets leaked in football it gets leaked everywhere this didn't get leaked why because it was doomed to failure from the start which you know and it's um but i think what it has done it's it's made people realize what the beautiful game could become and what we need to do and that i think Jack mentioned it earlier on. And so we've all now, now the clubs, we as fans, we've just got to have our, you know, we've got to have our eyes over our shoulders. Now. We've got to keep looking around because this isn't going away. Yeah. We've, but hopefully we've got to prepare ourselves for it. I think that's the good thing that's come out of it is that we as a footballing community have got together, obviously with Spurs to one side and Arsenal and Man City and Chelsea. And, uh, anyway. <laughs> well, it does in a way like... Um signify how powerful fans can be when they do or get it. It's basically the one thing that's brought 86 fans, fan groups together, both sides of the government, essentially everybody together is yeah. there. So. Well, it isn't just fans, it's players, it's managers, it's, yeah. it's everybody. It's everybody apart from the money makers of those 12 clubs, mm. which is basically don't, 12 just, people. Just don't piss off Gary Neville. <laughs> yeah, that. yeah. Just do not piss Gary Neville off and you will be okay. I mean, t- just a quick word about Gary Neville. Uh, that hour and a half before uh, or the coverage on, mm. on Monday night was exceptional. Yeah. Carragher and Neville were both brilliant. They were as scathing as they needed to be about clubs. They both hold very dear to their heart. And they spoke very, very well about the, the general issue within the football industry as well. Um, but Neville does seem to 
hold court very, very well. And I, th- I wouldn't be surprised if he's, you know, a central point to the uh, to the revision of of the game in the, in the coming months and years. Well, Carragher also called out Sky for the Premier League move in 1992, which I thought was very brave. Big elephant in the room. And he, he did, you know, that was excellent punditry, to be honest, because everyone at home is going, yeah, great, but what about 1992? So at least, fair play. I thought that was actually really, really good. Um, right, really quickly then, before we um, wrap up uh, and let Andy get back to whatever important work he does. Um, John Bod, John Bods? John Dodds? Um I lie, it's someone else. It's someone else. It's Gareth Davies. Sorry, John. You're just saying hello to your mate. You're just saying hello to your mate. got a similar question, but um, Gareth has worded it better. Um, it says, great to hear Paris last night, but do you really think the Americans would not be all over this if we were invited? Kevin. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I. I think that's a really interesting question, and I, I'm. I'm tempted to take Andy's line and and say I don't really want to speculate, even though we know when Andy says that, he's he means take away the word speculation. He's speculating so hard. No, he's not. He's he's telling us he's speculating when we know that he's he's telling us things that he's heard from the horse's mouth because he was probably at the meeting of these six clubs. <laughs> All those, all those, all those pods that he missed during that time over the yeah. year. That's where, he, that's where he was. I, I don't know because I don't know what the Americans' intentions are to Palace. Full stop. Because I don't know whether they've lost interest, whether they're still investing, how hands-on they are. I, and I, I don't think, you know, if we we're in the top six, I imagine they'd be all over it. But I don't think even they would think there's any way that, unless they thought, well, perhaps if Arsenal or Tottenham drop out and they ask Leicester and they drop out and they ask Everton, they might get down to us to be <laughs> the next club. But I, don't, I, I, I suspect it's it's a model they they're more familiar with than than English sport. I mean, the, the American model is very very different to any other in its own way, as we've discussed before. American sport is actually a very democratic. Institute mm. in terms of the way wealth is, is distributed, in terms of the way that merchandise is all sold draft. centrally, and then and the draft system yeah. and all that. It's actually in a way, it's it's not a bad system, but it just prevents competition. It just the, the notion of not being able to, yeah, not being relegated is is beyond them. And and if you show any club owner the opportunity to get into the Champions League every year and be in it and never out of it, I think they'd all probably be interested. But I'd. I, I I sometimes despair of ever hearing from the Americans again, to be honest, until we yeah. find that they've sold their share in the club because they seem to be publicly at least displaying no interest whatsoever. I, I was going to say that, uh, given their seeming lethargy towards all things Crystal Palace, there may well be a meeting invite in their inbox that they just haven't seen yet. <laughs> <Possibly>. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? Before I go do our uh, last question, Andy, is there anything else to add that we haven't covered? Oh, is there anything else to add? We could be here for well, yeah, be, we could be here for a really <laughs> significant period of time. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think one of the interesting points, and is again something that they that the six didn't take into account, is that if you threaten the existence of pretty sizable businesses, and there are fourteen of them, and this was existential for those other fourteen Premier League clubs because they are weirdly reliant upon the six in the same way the six are reliant upon 14 then you you can have to expect some kickback um and it has played out in that way well good thank you for joining us appreciate it it's been nice to have a bit of expert opinion um into what's been a very complicated um thing to talk about finally a final question for this is from jcp jcpfc 
Hi, JC. Hi, JC. Hello. Who says, um, did Steve Parrish have pineapple pizza delivered to his house during his appearance <laughs> on Monday Night Football? <laughs> there was definitely, he, he missed his delivery, didn't he? Definitely, definitely missed his delivery um, on that. <laughs> Handled it very well, so fair play to Steve. Um, Andy, thanks very much. We'll say thank you and goodbye. Thanks, um, and legal, after the break, legal, legal. Well, we're working on jingle. We'll work on it. Um, yeah, so and wait after, till he's gone. Wait, he's, he's gone. Yeah, now. sorry. We'll do it in part two. We'll do it in part yeah. two. Um, <laughs> and after the break, we've got an article from The Athletic. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at PenFed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Welcome back to part two of the Five Year Plan podcast. Hey. Hey. No Europe. <laughs> no Europe. Definitely no <laughs> Europe. Uh, right, our legal eagle has gone, um, but it was very good to get his insight there on what well, I'm just a, just a mad few days really for uh, for global football. Um, the Athletic is uh, they're sponsoring this week's pod, so obviously Kevin, we're going to read an article from the Athletic. There, now, I should say, the, the Athletic covers everything in football. There's been loads of articles on the ESL, the Super League, this week. So if you are interested, do sign up and, and read them because the coverage has been excellent. We're going to steer away from that in part two because we've covered it quite a lot in part one. Um, so this article is on a potential new name chucked into the mix for Palace Manager. Of course, uh, we've still got that rumbling on, the future of the Palace hot seat. Um, so anyway, I don't need to remind you the Athletic are a world-class team. Of, do you know what? I'm not going to do that bit, actually. I've done it. Everyone knows. I'm just going to read out the link. Um, Visit theathletic.co.uk forward slash FYP to start a subscription for just one pound a month. There we go. No, no ads, ad free, all that stuff. You know it. Anyway, um, this article is not from Matt or Dom or even Ed. It's from David Ornstein, wow. well-respected sports journalist. And it's called Mr. Arsenal. Mr. Arsenal. Yeah. Mr. Arsenal. But he's venturing into the world of Palace this week because the article is called Palace Consider Vieira. Now let me read. Uh, who used to play for? Exactly. Oh, no. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Ornstein's only going to link us with extra Arsenal. It'll be Burkamp next week and uh, Ray Parler the week after. Um, it, this is what the it's a short article. But this is what it says: If Palace decide against extending Hodgson's tenure, the club's hierarchy have a crucial decision to make, and the likes of Sean Dyche, Eddie Howe, Frank Lampard, Steve Cooper, Vlaer and Ishmael have all come under consideration. People we've talked about on the pod before. But while those candidates are well documented, there will be inev- inevitably be other names in the frame. The Athletic has learned that amongst the coaches, Palace are considering Patrick Vieira. The 44-year-old Frenchman has been out of work since leaving Nice in December and attracted interest from Bournemouth when they were in the process of naming a new boss earlier this year. He's previously led New York City FC, been on the radar of sides like Newcastle, and was in contention for the vacancies at our Arsenal, where of course he starred as a player in 2018 and 19. Last week, Vieira gave an interview to L'Equipe in which the newspaper reported that two English teams have positioned themselves, in inverted commas, to move for him, though their identities were not disclosed. Should Palace opt for a change, it's unclear if the ex-France captain would be a top contender, especially given he's yet to manage in this country, aside from Man City's elite development squad, although his background in the English game and availability may attract uh, maybe attractive factors. Uh, Kevin, what are you, what's your reaction to to Patrick Vieira being linked to the Palace job? I don't like the idea that his availability is a factor. 
Well, he's available. Yes. So, all right, we'll yeah. go for him then. He's available. That, that, that would save a lot of mucking about. This, this, um, a lot of this rumour stems from the fact that the chap on Absolute Radio looked out of his window the other day and said, oh, I can see Patrick Vieira. And people put two and two together and went, oh, Absolute Radio, their office is just down the road from Steve Parrish's office. The only reason he could be there is to be getting the job at, at Palace. I, I, look, I mean, he was at Nice. He was linked to Bournemouth. He was at New York. These... These are not. I know he knows English football inside out, but I, this is not a managerial pedigree that you'd be excited about if he were to become our manager. I, at some stage, everyone who's available is linked with every club who's looking potentially looking for a manager. I'd be the only person on that list I'd be more annoyed about would be Valerian Ishmael, not because he's one of the worst players I've ever seen at Sellers Park. But <laughs> wrong time, wrong place. But if we're if we're genuinely talking about a bloke who's done an all right job with Barnsley becoming our manager, then something I I, I wouldn't have thought. It's an interesting one. As I suppose, I mean, I've been I've been talking about John Terry and, and Frank Lampard being potential candidates, and you could argue that they've they're only just a little bit ahead of Patrick Vieira in terms of experience. But I, I, it's not one I'd be particularly excited about. I I have to say, having said that, there's no one on the list that I would be particularly excited about to be perfectly honest but and I still think if I had to take a guess who'd be our manager next year I would put money on Roy Hodgson but you know I, I suppose you probably should be grateful that Patrick Vieira's linking himself or not or kind of hinting that he's linking himself with us yeah I mean and as we talked before about the managerial situation I think most yeah. of us have sort of settled on the fact that we want Palace to maybe maybe this isn't the summer or the time to gamble and to be honest Vieira feels a bit like Frank de Boer Mark II to yeah, me what do you does. think uh, I agree with you it does exactly that it's um it's a name it's a name that your football fan will know um he was an amazing player don't don't get us wrong you know an incredible player um for both Arsenal and uh Man City as well, but um, no, he's we we, we need some look. We've we've we we're still in the Premier League because we've been managed by somebody with experience who knows how to who knows how the Premier League works as a manager. Yep. If you know, if we'd have stayed with De Boer, if we got some like Varian, then you know, I can't see that happening again. You know, we're a very volatile, we're a very volatile situation at the moment, Palace. You know, we haven't got much money. We've got an aging squad. All the things we talk about week in week out. We need somebody to come in who's got experience and has also can maybe make it a little bit more exciting for the fans when we eventually do get back into Sellers Park. You know, we, we want to be entertained. You know, we, we, we've all had a year of watching from the sidelines or watching our sofas or listening to the radio. And I know I'm talking abstractly here, but I think we, we the, the club needs an injection of something, doesn't it? We, we, we all know that. Whether it's, it needs to be on the pitch and it needs to be uh, on the bench as well. I, but then again, saying that, I'm with Kev. I think, um, I think Roy will be there at the beginning of next season. And you know what? And I don't think that's a bad thing, but I think we should be prepared to see him maybe leave sometime next season. Yeah, I, it does. It is looking that way, but obviously we don't know until things are announced. Um, Jack, can I chuck another name at you? Although I do want to get your thoughts on, on Patrick Vieira. But obviously, another manager has become available this week. A manager that has spoken <laughs> at length. <laughs> about his love this Crystal one, cool. Yeah, so I'm going cool. to give you, so I'll give you, give you this grenade. Um, AJ Wright and Bright, uh, Patrick hey, Stevens, has sent us a question Hello. saying, I know it's amusing to mention Palace and Jose Mourinho in the same breath, but seriously, isn't he just a miserable Roy Hodgson? <laughs> wow. Um, what, what are your thoughts then on, on those two names? And are you like the other two in here thinking that we are maybe inching towards another year of Roy? 
I am thoroughly underwhelmed by Patrick Vieira. Um, I don't think Patrick Vieira's agent would be doing his job if he wasn't on a list of potential applicants for a job like Palace manager, if that was to become available. But I suspect that list of uh, names that uh, is mentioned in that article is probably 40 or 50 names long. I'd imagine any manager who's managing the big five leagues in Europe that is currently available is on that list, plus people that Palace would genuinely want to speak to. So Patrick Vieira being on that list, and as even Ornstein kind of refers to, it's unlikely that he's going to be higher up that list. So, you know, uh, I think it's fair that Vieira's on that list. He did a relatively decent job with Nice, you know, neither here nor there really kept them up. And that's, that's good for Nice. And they're, they're, you know, he did okay in his 18 months there, but um, I think, uh, I'd be surprised if we went. If it, I'd, I'd be surprised if he was on the final list of five or something like that. I, I understand that he was quite close to the Bournemouth job. I, I mm. did hear that, but um, perhaps that's where he needs to start in English football. He needs to maybe go into the Championship and and bring a team up um, to to have a chance at a Premier League job. Um, I mean, Mourinho. Yeah, that, that, it would be absolutely hilarious. It would bankrupt us, but it would be absolutely hilarious. <laughs> um, uh, I, you know, I just can't see it. I think his time in England's probably done. To be honest, I, I think, um, I think he'll probably end up finding a, a, a nice job, perhaps in Italy. He did very well in Italy with Inter. I think he was sad to leave Inter, so I think he'd be happy to return to Italy. I can't see him taking a job at a club at the level Palace are at. Um, I just can't see it working financially. Uh, he, I mean, he has spoken very fondly about Palace in the past when we've been to. Um, I think particularly in his time at Chelsea. He spoke very fondly about us as, as as away fans, and you know, there's a you know seemingly a mutual fondness between him and the club, um, and particularly his fan base. Uh, you know, stranger things have happened. You know, spend your and Ericsson at Notts County, that type of that type of thing. But I, I just can't see it, and I am edging towards Roy perhaps be, still being in charge next um, next season. I, I can see that happening, and the longer it goes without a clear and obvious uh, alternative. I mean, as we've discussed in the first part, not everything is is available to the media. Maybe something is being worked in the background, but I think we would start to hear that something was happening in the hope that we would be able to, you know, transition again this season from Roy into another manager starting, you know, fresh in the summer. So I, I am starting to suspect that Roy will be given another year. Mourinho uh, has always said that the job he really, really wants is the Portugal national team. Yeah. Uh, I was idly speculating about Mourinho on Monday evening because this idea that he uh, was sacked by Tottenham because of his opposition to the Super League is nonsense. Mm. Basically, Daniel Levy decided on Sunday night that they've never had to worry about the Champions League again, so let's get rid of an unpopular manager and keep me in the fans' good books. But as I was idly speculating, I think it was Jermaine Jenis on Five Live who said there's only one Premier League club that Mourinho would be interested in, and I convinced myself he must be talking about Palace. Because I, I I couldn't think of any other. Because I thought we well, it's obviously talking about Palace. So just for ten minutes, I just had this quite pleasing vision of Jose Mourinho on our bench gesticulating as as we were throwing season tickets at him the day we got relegated. <laughs> um, I mean, it'd be, I, I I will genuinely miss Mourinho from English football. I think yeah. I, he's one of those managers that you're always glad he's managing somebody else. To be perfectly honest, although in his day he was he was a fantastic manager. But I've I've seen him in press rooms after games. The man's entertaining. He's pure gold. He's Proper entertainment. Mm-hmm. I think the Premier League will be will be worse off without it. But my God, do you talk to Tottenham? I mean, I don't know where Tottenham fans get the idea from that they 
a team that should be winning the Premier League, let alone the Champions League. But Jesus, they hate Mourinho. They really, really hate Mourinho. Yeah. And they barely spend any time with him. <laughs> I, 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 think, I, I think his days were numbered when Harry Kane said that if we don't get Champions League football, I'm off. I think essentially was was probably at the time. And that, that started the rumours that Reno's lost the dressing room, blah, blah, blah. But he will, he will get a job somewhere. Yeah. In his, it, it may not be with one of the... the the big six clubs, but he's he's too arrogant not to. I remember, he started off at Porto. I mean, so he would love the idea of going to a club of, of that size, or who knows, Palace. We're roughly similar size to. Well, that would probably not. <laughs> that is bold. <laughs> that is very bold. <laughs> now I think Jack's right. The finances wouldn't work out. I was just laughing no. at Jack using the phrase "edging towards Roy Hodgson." Which I, might, <laughs> I might use as the title of the podcast. Fine, <laughs> the fact is. Pretty dodgy. Um, no, it's a nice one to enjoy as a as a fantasy, but I don't think. I mean, he said some really nice things about the Palace fans. Twenty thirteen, fantastic, fantastic fans. They support their team till the end. Mm. They push them all the time. Palace fans are noisy. They support their team. Um, so he's, he's, for the fans, though, don't they? <laughs> yeah, but Chelsea <laughs> fans. Chelsea fans don't. Chelsea fans Chelsea, really don't. So. Yeah, so. No, it's a nice. It, I say it's a nice fantasy, but. Uh, but you know what? All, all joking aside. You'd, it would be good to get somebody with some experience who can who knows how to play football, who yeah. can who can actually get the best out of that place. And I tell you, you get Joe Zarino in our dressing room, and he would get the best out of those players. Yeah. He would. Oh, yeah. He would. Oh, yeah. I'm trying to convince yourself. <laughs> no, I'm not convinced. He's not going to come. But imagine if he did, and he said, "Look, I'll come for two years. You don't have to pay much. I'll I'll, I'll work on what we've got." He he, and you know, if 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 I was his agent, I'd tell him to do that because he could resurrect himself as the world's greatest manager. Yeah, and do you remember what happened when <laughs> remember when Edgar Davids came in? Yeah, yeah, okay, all right, I'll show. We him. thought this is brilliant. We've got a world class footballer coming to Salas Park. This is great. He'll, yeah, he'll God. The and League. you know what? He actually couldn't even see the ground. He had to go oh, no. past the ball. <laughs> <laughs> that was such a weird bloody hell that was a weird few months wasn't it not 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 only glasses he was wearing sunglasses sunglasses was, well. that was sunglasses <laughs> December what was going on <laughs> right anyway uh, <laughs> you can read that article by David Ornstein and loads more at The Athletic and if you go to theathletic.uk forward slash FYP you can start a subscription for just one pound a month and I'm sure we'll be talking about uh, Roy Hodgson again on future podcasts um, after the break we've got a clip from the pod extra where they are talking about Roy Hodgson it was a Roy special Rob did a survey to all our patrons as to what what do you think about Roy where should the club go it said has Roy been back etc etc and uh, we go through the, serv- the results of that survey on the pod extra so here's a clip from that if you are a patron you won't hear this we'll go straight into part four uh, but this uh, for non-patrons is Rob Dom, Selzy and me discussing the results of our Roy Hodgson survey. La venta del 4 de julio en Macy's tiene ofertas increíbles en todo lo que necesitas para prepararte a ti, a tu equipo y a tu espacio. Ahorra un 50-60% en trajes de baño para todos y 30-60% en básicos de cama y baño. Además, obtén un 40-50% en casi todas las sandalias ahora durante la gran venta de sandalias. Los miembros de Macy's Star Rewards pueden ganar recompensas más rápido durante los días de bono Star Money. Visita macy's.com para Star Rewards. Ahorro sobre pesos regulares en oferta de liquidación. Aplican excepciones. We're going to go into this with um, the the survey that we did uh, at the core of everything that we're going to going to talk about 
partly because the, the, the results are really interesting, but also it just kind of gives a perspective and uh, an understanding of where the fans are at. And it also reflects kind of the difficult situation that Roy Hodgson's in and, and everything else. So to start off with, uh, we had 131 responses, which is quite a, a good number of responses from Palace fans. We really do appreciate you uh, completing the survey. I, I personally really appreciate it, especially since I mucked up and used Survey Monkey initially. Uh, do not use Survey Monkey in the future. They will just bait and switch you. Uh, they will tell you that you can do a free survey and then afterwards tell you that you can only see 48 results out of all of them so uh thank you very much just pay uh, your subscription every year like i do Sam. it's not a it's problem a hundred quid for a month adam uh, i'm not going to pay spend about 500 quid in my half i've only used it once in a year <laughs> it's terrible. Cancel that subscription. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Google Docs did a really good thing. Uh, it's Google I'm not Forms. sure about the subscription model. <laughs> it's not great. Yeah. It's never, it never worked, is it? You know? No. <laughs> Pay money for anything, people, didn't they? Some right old rope. People just forget that they're paying them. That's the thing. And you, you end up yeah. realising... Good model, that, actually. You know, every 12 months it gets, gets charged. Um, anyway, uh, to start off with, the first question that we asked was, how satisfied are you with Roy Hodgson's management of the club this season uh, the results have kind of been reflective of the, f- the general dynamic of fans although i would say if you went on twitter you probably wouldn't get the, the, a similar outcome uh, of those surveyed 14 and percent said they were very satisfied 47.3 percent said they were satisfied 17.6 percent said neither satisfied uh, nor dissatisfied and then 18.3 dissatisfied and I can't actually tell how many very dissatisfied. I think it was a total of two two votes for very dissatisfied. I think, generally speaking, Palace fans do appreciate that the manager has managed to keep the club up. Um, What are your thoughts on that, Adam? Well, I think it's... I don't think anybody can be dissatisfied with Roy overall in his four years. He's taken... He's taken us on, really, in a very difficult situation quite early in the season. Transfer window closed, not much room for manoeuvre. Not that we latterly found like that mattered anyway, because we weren't going to be doing very much. But the, you know, to, for me, he's the most successful manager in the club's history, bar none. No other manager has ever kept us in the league. Premier League for four seasons certainly in the Premier League era anyway nobody's got near him and and kept us up by the way with plenty to spare every time, not close not tight plenty to spare and done it with the most minimal resources if you like in terms of transfer spend of any team, net spend of any team in the league in that period and you know I think my concern with him, to, to be honest, in that respect, is you know that he's taken for granted a little bit. I think he does it too well and too easily that um, it just becomes uh, a bit of an issue, really. As in, you know, oh, we should be doing better. Well, I think we've got no right to be doing better, as I've said to you before. And I, I think he deserves a more respect. He's a gentleman and a fellow of great dignity, really. And, you know, I'm concerned, actually, now at the sort of end of this and how it is going to end, as in, you know, with 
with with it becoming clear at this point that he's not been offered a new contract what does the rest of the season hold for a group of players that probably know they're not going to be relegated half of them serving their notice period at the club playing for a manager that they're probably working out isn't going to be here next year on the basis that if he was they'd have already offered him a contract by now yeah it's definitely an interesting one I think I'm not sure everybody's going to agree with what Adam said in terms of the... I mean, the, the, as I say, the results don't entirely reflect that with about a third of, of Palace fans not being entirely satisfied with his management this season. Um, but the points you've made are very fair. You know, I think Roy Hodgson has shown a lot of uh, a lot of management skills throughout the last four seasons where he's had to deal with very difficult circumstances and managed to keep Crystal Palace in the division. Dom, what are your thoughts on, on those results and your, how, do, how do they reflect with your own views? Well, on, that, on this first question on the, on the survey, um, to get 60, effectively 63% people, people saying they're very satisfied or satisfied with what he's done, I think is a reflection of, of a difficult season um, for football, not just for Crystal Palace, but for football, um, Behind closed doors, exceptional circumstances, um, the threat of COVID outbreaks, the threat of losing players, the blink of an eye in non-training related injuries or game related injuries, just going down with illness and disruption that causes, living in bubbles, all the all these things to to emerge from that season with your top flight status pretty much secured by now. Um, and effectively having been done since March, um, I think that is reflected in those in those figures. I mean, I think that is a decent chunk. You've only got 20 people there, and I, I suspect that... I mean, I, d- I don't know what those those 20% of people surveyed on that wanted. I mean, do they, are, they, are they saying that this is a... Are they saying that this is a... a he should have qualified for Europe, it, it finished in the top 10? I mean, I, I don't know. It's Maybe we'll come on to that, maybe some of the later sections. Um, or maybe it's all just a reflection of the the entertainment factor. And I know that's where there's going to be the biggest disparity in terms of people being satisfied on the one hand, but actually wanting a lot more on the other. Um, so, per, personally speaking, I think he's done a great job to keep us clear of trouble in a very, very difficult very very difficult season and I'm only thinking season at the moment because I know one of the questions later on reflects on his tenure in in its entirety so just in terms of this season he's done a fantastic job and okay it may not have been great to watch but then believe me none of this has been great to watch there there, there are supporters up and down this country (laughs) and and people who who are watching clubs up and down the, the the pyramid who have been disenfranchised by the fact they're not allowed to get into the grounds. They're not seeing it. It's always going to be a disconnect between between what was happening on the pitch and and what people wanted. Um, it's it, it is what it is. But, but to have emerged from it safe, I think, is a is quite a considerable achievement. Mm-hmm. 
¿No se merece tu familia lo mejor? Entonces, ¿por qué no los mejores huevos? Ahora, Egglands Best están disponibles en deliciosas opciones. Huevos clásicos de gallina libre de jaula y orgánicos de Egglands, que ofrecen un sabor más delicioso y fresco de granja, que le encantará a tu familia. En comparación con los huevos ordinarios, Egglands Best contiene la mejor nutrición como 6 veces más vitamina D, 10 veces más vitamina E y el doble de omega 3 y B12. Solo Egglands Best. Mejor sabor, mejor nutrición, mejores huevos. Visita egglandsbest.com para más información. Hello, welcome back to the Fiber Plan Podcast. Hey. Hey. That was a weird noise I just made off there. Um, it's time for part four, I think. We were going to do questions. We've had other questions from our listeners, but we haven't got time to go through them. They were mostly about European Super League, so I think we've covered most of them. Apart from this question from Tweeting Nav, which says, Hello. Has, has football turned the corner <laughs> See what he's done there he's sort of he's, he's expanded it out to, yeah well done that was, that, was, that was great takes a lot of boxes for us um, right so we do have a game coming up uh, Kevin it's away at Leicester on Monday night oh, we haven't had a weekend game for ages uh, actually we have it the other week um, anyway Monday night away at Leicester uh, Leicester are pushing for a top four they were at the weekend I think they lost to they lost did they lose I can't remember I'm, I've lost track of all these games um, they, won, anyway. they, they, they won the cup semi on Sunday yeah there you go that's right in fact they got a game this week haven't they later on in the week I think yes. possibly because um, all scheduling has gone out the window uh, not Leicester traditionally quite a happy place for us to go last couple of times not so much last time we were there I think was the 4-1 when Sacco gave the ball to Vardy I think was it? one yeah. of the first games in uh, lockdown um, what are we expecting from Palace then on Monday night what are we expecting from Leicester well I'm almost <coughs> reluctant to say this out loud in case Palace take it as a challenge but they can't be any worse than they were <laughs> last time we were there which was end of season game that we all thought maybe yeah, maybe this will be the game this will be the five all we were just shocking abject yeah. unless Brendan Rodgers has done a brilliant job at Leicester They've, their recruitment and their youth policy is fantastic you, there aren't many players in their first team that you wouldn't have straight in our first team and they play decent football and they got a lot of pace. But I think they've conceded at least one goal in the last 15 games. Okay. So they are a team, although they look like possible Champions League contenders, they're not, they don't look like a Champions League team. Is it? I mean, they're up there because they're, you know, West Ham are doing surprisingly well. Everton are not doing as well as they should. So they deserve to be where they are, but they're not, they're not a team that we should be frightened of, I don't think. And it's, we just need one more push. I don't know if Fulham have got at the weekend, but if if they lose, we'll go into that game 11 points ahead of them and they've only got four to play. Just just have the attitude that one more win sees us perfectly safe. Just go up there and try and try and win it. They, they didn't look very good away at, at West Ham. Uh, defensively vulnerable. They look like maybe the FA Cup is more of a priority for them than the, getting in the Champions League. I don't know, but they look like a team that are slightly nervous now and I think we should try and take advantage of that just, it's just got to be better than last time it really it's got to be and uh, how many times do we say this every every game we just say let's start with attacking intent you know let's, <laughs> uh, yeah, before the Chelsea game we said it the pod before the Chelsea game let's, let's let them know we're there right from the kickoff. let's just good. you know so. no, we're, no we're over here the goal's here <laughs> the goal's here you. Oh, yeah. Quick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we it's it, we don't really quite know what Palace team's gonna turn up at the moment. Sometimes we get the team that turned up to Everton and puts in a really sort of, you know, resolute and organised as play, and sometimes you get the Chelsea team where they just 
fall apart after a few minutes. Mm. It's difficult to know really what Palace team you're going to get. Um, Leicester, they are third. So I got that wrong at the start of this part. Brilliant. Um, and they do have a game in hand actually on Chelsea. Thursday. They're actually playing on Thursday. So. Yeah. Um, right, okay. Yeah. So they'll all be absolutely shattered by Monday night. <laughs> and they're playing really, West Brom. Like, really, really, yeah. So they'll be scoring so many goals. They're going to be shattered <laughs> from running back and forth. So the, the game's ours for the taking. There you go. They've, um, they are, Kevin's like, they are a bit of a weird. They have let in a lot of goals recently, in a couple of clean sheets in their last sort of dozen games. They are, um, I mean, basically, the player that's really done it for them recently, Enders, is, is Ian Acho, who's mm. finally. Um, got a starting regular starting role even despite coming into my fantasy team still scoring goals so that's even well, broke, broken go. that curse um so i think he almost i mean vardy you know what you're going to get from him and he was excellent in this um the semi-final actually setting up the goal for Nacho. but it means they got even more of a threat up front now what 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 palace team are you expecting <laughs> are we going to get the chelsea team or are we going to get the everton team it's going to be tricky whatever isn't it again oh, you you know as well as i do i we've got no idea what's going to happen <laughs> <laughs> we really have no idea do we speculate speculate like street oh, I'll speculate. Yeah, <laughs> right well i don't want to speculate but i think we're going to come out i think we're going to come out and we're going to really press them in the first 10 minutes really go at them with the wings we're going to use our width use our width we're going to get the ball out to wilf as is going to be spinning circles in the middle spraying it spraying the ball like pepper everywhere um yeah it's going to be amazing and i reckon we'll be three nil up by half time It'll, we will come out the second half a little bit arrogant and let in a couple but we'll bang it five two end of the game that's i mean that, i mean we yeah, used to do that against leicester we actually that's... used to do that no we used to fight against leicester do you remember that game um yeah. What's his name? He got in the fight with um, Nigel Pearson. Uh, held down. Nigel Pearson. Yeah, right. yeah. Held down Macca. Yeah. Held down Macca. Yeah. yeah. That was yeah. mad. Uh, anyway, it was that's, that's not going to happen. Uh, well, should we get Jack to speculate as well then? Yeah, go on, Jack. Well, I think the aliens are going to land. <laughs> <and> then, uh, <laughs> I think. I think they are. They aren't particularly tight in the back. And what West Ham had luck uh, against them a uh, fortnight ago. By the time we play them. Um, was uh, space between the midfield and the defence, and, mm. and Lingard in particular found himself running at defenders, which is which is always a good place for an attacker. So, you know, if if Wilf was able to to find those spaces, he could cause some damage. I think you know, Ender's just touched on uh, Eze. I don't expect to see Eze start this one. I think um, I think after the Chelsea performance, I think we'll be seeing Jeff Schlupp back in the team on that left hand yeah. side of midfield. Yeah. yeah, and I think we'll be you know, despite the uh, hope that we will be a little bit more. Uh, extravagant. I think Royal will be fairly tight, but that's, you know, Schlupp coming into the team does tighten us up a bit, but it also uh, provides, you know, uh, some some oomph down the left-hand side. Schlupp is, is one of our most underrated players, so I'm pleased that he's coming back in, even though, you know, you, you don't want to see Eze dropped, but his performance against Chelsea left a little bit to be desired. So, you know, I, I think that Schlupp will, will come in. Um, and, yeah, I, I, I think Leicester are a very good team, and I expect them to to beat us, I think they'll be very happy that both Chelsea and Liverpool have dropped points mm. um, under this cloud of uh, the the Super League chat. It shouldn't be forgotten that that now Liverpool and Chelsea don't have guaranteed Champions League football equivalent next season. They they needed to beat both Leeds and Brighton respectively, mm. and they didn't. So Leicester will be happy because that defeat against West Ham um, could have been a, a blow to them. But they're not in as bad a position after that as they feared they they might have been. So um, they've got two games against teams in the bottom half of the table in West Brom and us and 
they'll be looking to take maximum points from us. Hopefully we put in a performance like we did um, against Everton, but you know, against Everton on another night, we could have lost that by two or three. So you, you just don't know with this Palace team at the moment. And, um, but as Kevin said, it, it surely can't be worse than the Chelsea game. But I'm here to be proved wrong. <laughs> yeah. no! Well, keeps life interesting, doesn't it, I guess, in a way. Um, well, we'll see what happens then on Monday night. And we'll be back next week, obviously, to review that game and that 5-2 win uh, with the Aliens. <laughs> as well. so and the Aliens, gonna lot, yeah. going to be a lot to review <laughs> next week. Uh, but we'll be there. Of course, patrons will get the post-match pod. Oh, I'll be a late one uh, with uh, Dom, Selzy, Rob and me. Uh, and that's it, guys. Thank you very much. Thanks. We covered a lot of ground there. It was a lot to talk about, but I feel like we uh, we covered most bases. So thank you, Kevin. Good to see you. But, Jade, sorry, JD, we, but we did end on a negative note about Palace. So it was nice to be back yeah. where we yeah, were. That's true. Yeah. Fair point. Typical, <laughs> typical FYP, I think. Yeah. People <laughs> yes. yeah, we've, yeah, we've nestled right back into our sort of comfort zone. Uh, Kevin, good to have you here. Lovely to be here. Uh, Enders, good to see you again. It feels like a while since it's, I've seen you. It has been a while. I've missed you a couple for various reasons. But yeah, I'm back. Top man. Back and in, Jack. Back and raring to go. <laughs> Lovely. Uh, and, uh, Jack, always good to see you. Thanks, JD. Thanks, mate. Beautiful. What a way to end. Uh, right, anyway, thanks for listening. We'll be back next week. Take care. We'll see you again soon. Bye. Right, bye. Time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Podcast Network.